to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Authormath Podcast. It's me, it's Dante. It was me last week, too. It's going to be me next week as well. So, my guest this week is Miss Tracy Francis, and she does Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. So, I want to talk to her about Jiu Jitsu. So, Tracy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing so well. How are you? I'm doing okay. Not, not you know, I can't complain. But it's not about me. It's about you. So I want to, uh, I guess, what really prompted me to ask you onto the show is you had put up a post, let's say maybe two or three weeks ago on Instagram. And, you know, just seeing, uh, just seeing you on Instagram in general, uh, doing jujitsu, doing the pole fitness and everything. It's like, wow, this is a, you know, physically, you know, able body fit person and then you had put up a post about having Lyme disease and about a year ago you're using a cane to walk and and I was like wow oh like holy shit like that's a hell of a journey you know within a year so if you don't mind can I you know ask you about that experience just you know coming from there and then getting into jujitsu and you know where we are now yeah, it's been absolutely a wild ride <laughs> for the past uh, year or so of my life. So um, I just started jujitsu halfway through January of this year. Um, but rewinding back to when all of this stuff started to go down uh, last year in May, uh, I finally received a diagnosis for an illness that I had been struggling with for 15 years. And it just, I had gone to so many different doctors because there was just so much wrong. Every, like everything was, was not working. And then it just kept getting worse and worse and worse and worse. But I never got an answer. Conventional medicine failed me miserably and everything that could have gone wrong really did from the get go. So, um, I was bit by a tick in March of 2007 and I was horseback riding in South Carolina when it happened. I remember the exact day that it happened. It was March 10th. I'll never forget it because I now know that that was what would change my life for in, in these crazy ways. So I, I started to get sick almost pretty much immediately. Um, I, about two or three weeks into it, I had these weird upper back pains. And I was like, ah, it's just because I'm, I'm getting old. Here's, here's 21 year old me, like, or 20 year old me. And I'm like, oh, I'm just getting old. I'm not, I'm not in high school. I'm not dancing anymore. I'm not, you know, as active. And this is just, you know, something that happens. So I, um, I went to the doctor and they gave me a cortisone injection, which was the start of everything going horribly wrong. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't really look into it. They didn't ask me what was causing any of this stuff. Uh, I was one of the 30% of people that don't get the bullseye rash. I didn't even know to, to look for that, honestly. I had grown up in 
going to visit Northern Wisconsin. Like you hear about ticks, you hear about Lyme disease, but you don't really know uh, what, what it can, it can do. So I got bit by a tick. I pulled the tick off of me. I just, you know, threw it away, flushed it down the toilet, whatever. And that, that was that. I was like, Oh, I got an insect bite. No big deal. Right. Well, then these symptoms started. I went and got the cortisone injection and that makes your immune system plummet. And so basically the Lyme bacteria took over absolutely everything at that point. And from then it was just random aches and pains. Things would be be hurting things weren't functioning properly and over the course of the next 15 years it went from just minor aches and pains to literally not being able to walk not being able to talk uh not being able to drive not being able to think uh couldn't couldn't do hardly anything it, it got to the point where i couldn't physically get myself up out of bed in the morning to go use the bathroom i needed assistance to do that um so I, I was struggling with, with eating, uh, I, I say towards the end because it, it literally, my life made a 180 degree turn. It's, it's been so insane, but, uh, towards the end there. So at the end of April of last year is when I stopped being able to, to hold down food, hold down water or anything like that. Um, and it just, it got to the point where it was so bad that, I was ready to just end it because I had been in the emergency room at that point three times in two weeks, just in, in such horrible pain, unable to walk. My muscle spasms were so horrible, uh, depression, anxiety, all, all sorts of symptoms. And they just said, we don't, they either said, we don't know what's wrong with you or there's nothing wrong with you. And that was the biggest thing for me was the there's nothing wrong with you thing because obviously there was something wrong with me. And I think over the course of the 15 years, I saw well over 30 specialists and over half of them told me that it was in my head. And after 15 years of hearing that, you kind of start to believe it. And it got to the point where I was like, all right, well, if I'm crazy, and this is what my life is going to be like. I, I don't think I want to live this life anymore. So, uh, I, I was actually ready to end it. And I had a friend talk me off of the ledge. She was like, please, please come see me. Don't do this. And, and so I drove to her house, um, in Georgia. I, I was in South Carolina at the time and I drove with my pistol in my lap in case I changed my mind to her place in Georgia. And I ended up staying with her for, uh, I think I slept for almost three days straight because I, I, I couldn't, I just couldn't function. And when I finally woke up, she said, Tracy, I really think that you need to re look at whether or not this is chronic Lyme disease because she has chronic Lyme disease. And she pulled up all the symptoms for me and I looked at it and it connected literally all of the dots. And what, was kind of crazy about that was that she had brought it up to me three years prior and I brought it up to four different doctors and all of them blew it off. They said, no, no, that's not what this is. They completely ignored the fact that I not only had a tick bite, but I had a cat bite and they're both vector borne illnesses that can be uh, brought on by those 
or that those types of infections are called vector-borne illnesses. And there's 32 different types of them. So it isn't just ticks that carry these types of bacteria. It's, it's multiple sources that you can get it from. So anyway, I looked at it and it was just so shocking. I sent a screenshot of it to my mother and I'm like, what do you think about this? And she was floored by it. She was like, that, that really, that connects absolutely everything. And so we instantaneously went into the mode of trying to find a specialist to see if I could get my blood tested, to see if I could get some sort of answer. And at this point, I really didn't, I didn't have any hope with medicine anymore. And so I'm like, I'm just going to have, I'm just going to get blown off by another person. It was really, really traumatizing, but I ended up flying back up to Chicago, which is where I grew up and, you know, went with my family to, to an LLMD is what they're called, which is a Lyme literate medical doctor. And she took more blood than I think I've ever had taken out of my body ever (laughs) and sent it off. And within a couple of days I had a diagnosis and it just, it, I, I get emotional even thinking about it because I finally had validation for all of these years of just being told that I was crazy and it wasn't, I knew I wasn't. And I finally had that validation. So from there, um, she, the doctor that I, I see, um, I still see her because I'll be in treatment for many, many years. This isn't something that you can cure overnight, unfortunately, when you've been dealing with it this long and the trauma that it's had on my body. So, um, but uh, she started me um, with functional medicine because I was completely against conventional medicine at that point because everybody had failed me. Part of the reason my system was as trashed as it was, was because every time I got tested for anything over the course of those 15 years, they saw some sort of quote, unknown infection in my system and they would throw antibiotics at it. They would be like, oh, you must have a kidney infection or you must have a a UTI or something like that. So here's, you know, some amoxicillin, here's some Cipro, you know, go away, you know, there you go, you'll be all better. So, you know, constant antibiotics in your system just absolutely destroys your gut. It destroys all sorts of different parts of you. And it was literally making the problem worse. So I was, I was very much against it, uh, of doing any sort of antibiotic therapy or anything like that. And, um, luckily she is a functional specialist. And so everything that I've taken from day one has been supplements, um, holistic based therapies. Uh, she had to put a kick line in my arm so that I could get nutritional IVs because I, again, couldn't hold down food. So I was going uh, three to four times a week for these nutritional IVs, which took five to six hours and uh, just kind of suffering through the, this, this therapy. But slowly I started to, to get a little bit better, but for the first, for the first probably three or four weeks of that, maybe even longer. I, I think I've probably blocked it out of my memory, to be honest. Um, it's, it's literally like going through chemotherapy. And I know that that's a very strong statement to make, but there's many specialists out there for Lyme disease that say that Lyme is 
the cancer of infectious diseases because the treatment for it has very similar effects on your system. I was sleeping literally next to the toilet because I was that sick. And it, it just, it felt like it never ended. It really felt like it never ended. And I was constantly having to get some sort of reassurance from the people in my life, which was, you know, I, I moved back in with my parents and um, I still, I still live with them now, although the tables have kind of turned with everything. So like we, we help each other out at this point. Uh, But looking for, for reassurance from them that am I getting better? because I did not feel like I was getting better. Just like, you know, we look at ourselves in the mirror every day and we're like, oh, we look the same, we look the same, we look the same. But every, then all of a sudden you see somebody you haven't seen in a month and they're like, oh my God, you look amazing. What have you done different? You know, so it, it was it was kind of one of those things. And so, yeah, so that's that's kind of how my journey got started with all of that. And it it lasted for the entire summer. I was in a wheelchair because I could not walk. My muscles were in constant spasm. I needed assistance getting up and down the stairs. I needed help bathing myself. Um, it was, it was really, really, I, I was knocking at death's door. My doctor told me that if I had waited even two or three weeks longer, I would have been in full organ failure. I would have died. I was literally dying. And to, I, I still have to kind of pinch myself because that part of it doesn't really hit me very, very much. Like I have to say it out loud in order to, to understand. I literally almost died. I was dying. So, and now I'm better, but all summer I was in a wheelchair. Uh, and then I, as I started to get my strength back, started being able to eat actual food, I could only eat like three or 400 calories without getting really, really ill. Uh, she had me on a really specialized diet which I still follow very, very strictly. If you ask any of my friends or training partners, they'll be like, yeah, Tracy's psychotic about her food. (laughs) But it's because I know what nutrition can do to make things either amazing or really, 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 really bad for you. So, but yeah, so I don't, I don't eat gluten. I don't eat dairy. I don't eat caffeine. I don't eat soy. I don't eat sugar. I don't eat processed foods. I don't, not supposed to have alcohol, but I do love wine. So <laughs> I occasionally do that now. Um, but yeah, so but between the the diet, um, getting started on that and the nutritional IVs, the supplements, I did slowly start to get better. I got my strength back. I was able to move from the wheelchair to the cane, which again is still you know, at 34 years old, you don't want to be walking around with a cane, but I was, that was just the life that I had to live. So, um, I knew though that at some point I was going to need to incorporate some type of fitness into my life in order to literally get back on my feet. And I could not walk on a treadmill. I I could hold myself up to walk on a treadmill. And this is where pole fitness came in for me because I couldn't walk on a treadmill, but I could hang onto a pole. So I went ahead and started with that when I was still walking with a cane. So um, that was in September of last year that I started doing pole fitness. So, yeah. So with Lyme disease, because I don't know much about I remember in Boy Scouts, that was always the 
talks. I was I was in Boy Scouts when I lived in Delaware, and I was always the talk of you know watch out for ticks, and you know if you get bit by a tick, you know Lyme disease, you know it, it you know could be the consequence. And you know as I've gotten older, you know you hear from time to time, you know you know just the word, but um, I've never heard any word on, you know, someone gets Lyme disease, is it curable? Or like you said, it's a long road. So um, it, it, is it something that can be uh, cured or reversed in you? Or is it just, man- you know, it becomes manageable through uh, fitness and, and nutrition? Yeah. So I think it really depends on the person. Unfortunately, for my situation, it was kind of like a comedy of errors. Everything that could have gone wrong did from the get-go, literally from that first cortisone injection to the antibiotics being thrown at me to being misdiagnosed with all sorts of different, mostly psychiatric disorders, uh, because it's it, it causes your inflammation in your brain. And that was causing me to have depression and anxiety that I didn't actually have. I I had all sorts of fears of things too, which that's kind of an interesting point, I guess, that I could make is that there are certain things that I was afraid of previously that I'm no longer afraid of. Um, But it was it all again, back relating back to like the brain inflammation, but people can be cured from it. It just really depends on the person. And for me, my doctor is hopeful that I will make a full recovery from it, but it's going to take years if that if that happens. So I'm probably going to be managed on uh, the supplements or the medications that I take uh, for a long time. It it ruined my thyroid. My thyroid doesn't work at all, which is part of the reason that I was in the physical condition that I was in. Um, I used to actually weigh 100 pounds more because even though I was eating properly and I thought it was a pretty active person, it, it doesn't matter if your thyroid doesn't work. So um, that's probably something that's going to need to be managed um, for the rest of my life. But uh, some of the other symptoms, you know, hopefully they'll go away. Obviously, the, the muscle spasms are a lot less to the point where I can, you know, walk, obviously, not just walk, but fight. <laughs> Cold dance and so um but yeah it it is something that is curable for people but if it's caught early that's that's really the key and the problem is that not a lot of doctors are willing to learn about it it is becoming you know more mainstream now it's it's come out more because this tiny tiny little bug can really really ruin your life and it needs to be talked about more the cdc numbers are way, way under what they need to be. They are not even close. And a lot of it is politicized too. So to the point where doctors who specialize in treating chronic Lyme disease are ostracized by their uh, colleagues because their colleagues don't want to say that chronic Lyme disease is a thing. And it's because it goes back to states and governments and even whole countries that don't want to admit that this tiny little bug that could be in their state or their country could ruin your life. And so it's it's really not talked about uh, nearly as much as it should be. 
Um, and there's doctors that will just outright tell you that chronic Lyme disease does not exist. That is not a thing. There is something else wrong with you. But I don't, I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. So I, I think that, um, and, and based off of, you know, what my doctor has said, it is very treatable, um, especially if it's caught early on. But even for people who are long-term sufferers of it, like I am, it's, it's, there's hope, there's hope to live a better life. And I'm actually living proof of that at this point because of the condition that I was in last year. I mean, in June of last year, I was literally dying. There's a picture of me with the pick line in my arm, getting that IV, all of my, almost all of my hair had fallen out. I was really sick looking. And then here I am a year later in June winning American nationals for IBJJF. So you are living proof that, you know, as your doctors are saying one thing versus another and none of it's remotely close to right. And it's like all it takes is somebody that actually gives a damn and, and wants to see you get better. Uh, it sucks that it took so long, but I'm glad that it, you know, was figured out. Cause I, I couldn't imagine going through that, you know, and I complained about like, you know, things that, that have happened to me. And it's like, you know, it's gotten figured out, but nothing to that extent of time or, you know, over that length of time that it's, you know, just wrecked havoc on you. So, you know, again, I'm glad that, you know, you are where you are now. And like I said, just seeing you on Instagram and seeing you competing and it's like, wow, like would have never guessed. It was just like, oh, no, you know, she had to have been doing this. Like, even looking at um, some of the still pictures of you competing, it's like, I think you had someone in side control. And, you know, one of the things I saw was like you were applying pressure, but you, you know, you're on your toes or you have a white belt. They're usually like in side control and they're on their knees. And I was like, (laughs) you can can ask my best friend, Nicole, about that one. She, She immediately gave me the nickname pressure after I think I had been training for maybe three weeks she was like "Uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh this girl what (laughs) (laughs) and it stuck so (laughs) one of my coaches used to always say you know we we would always you know look at him because he was a bigger guy and you say you know being heavy having pressure is a skill and you know we all just like all right whatever fat boy (laughs) you're just saying that because you like to eat but you know after a few months of training, you realize like, oh shit, he was right. I mean, he's still fat, but he's right. You know, not, <laughs> not body shaming. I mean, you know, he knows he's a big fella too, but you know, us were like, wow. Like, I don't want to roll with that guy. He's huge. And then, <laughs> Use what you got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, play to your strengths, not your weaknesses. And, and he was really like good technically, you know, his technique was just so good. So when it comes to you getting into jujitsu, what led you there? So that's a really hilarious story with just the simple statement of, I thought I was signing up for a self-defense class. (laughs) I did. I did. And actually what led me to jujitsu, um, was Joe Rogan talking about it and that it was the best form of self-defense because all last year and for however many years of my life, I was so weak. And I just thought to myself, my God, if somebody wanted to attack me, 
I would be so screwed. There is no hope. So I, I had never really thought of martial arts. I mean, I did karate when I was a kid, but uh, we all know that doesn't count. So, <laughs> so. a little. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I started looking into it. I'm like, all right, let me see if I can find a, a self-defense class to, to take. And so I, I was doing some Googling um, in the Chicago area and I found a place that's like, I think, 12 minutes from my house, which is BJJ Lab. Um, and it's uh, owned by Mark Thomas Turner, third degree black belt under Damian Maya. And I thought I was, again, going for a self-defense class. And I show up, and here's uh, Brad, who's the co-owner. And he goes, oh, have you trained before? And I'm like, nope, sure haven't. <laughs> what do you mean, trained? <laughs> like, what is that? Aren't I, aren't I going to be here with a bunch of other newbies learning how to, I don't know, choke somebody in case they try to hurt me? <laughs> but nope. Train? Aren't you right? supposed to be? No, you're supposed to be teaching me. I'm not like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right? Yeah, aren't you just showing me how to do some things? Like, what what is this? So they're like, okay, so you know, they 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 gave me my gi and they gave me a belt and I go into class and I had I was I had no idea what I was gotten myself into. I had no idea, and I literally was like, even the warm up, I I I I I still like I, I get kind of speechless about it because it it totally threw me for a loop. Uh, I I got um, assigned or picked by my training partner Erica, and I love her so much, and I thank her frequently. I'll thank her again on here, Erica. Thank you for keeping me in jujitsu because I look at her and I said I feel like I'm hindering your training. I I why am I here? What what I don't you guys just threw me to the sharks and she goes, no, no, no. It helps me to help you. It helps me when I have to explain things because then I have to think through it too. So again, thank you, Erica, for, for telling me that. Cause that's all I needed to hear was that it was helpful to you. Otherwise I would have never come back. <laughs> so, <laughs> but also, again, I thought it was for self-defense, and it ended up being uh, a sport-focused jujitsu academy, and I'm an extremely competitive person. So it just kind of, I, I, I was like, okay, well, the first month is free. Let me give it a go. Um, but in reality, what happened was I walked right up to the front desk after that, and I said, Brad, here's my credit card. Please sign me up. <laughs> He goes, why don't you try it for a month? Like, no, no, no. I I'm going to do this. Like when I tell myself I'm going to do something, I do it 100% always. So I signed up and uh, within two and a half weeks, I went from going twice a week <laughs> to every single day, every class that I possibly could, I was showing up for and uh, it just kind of went nuts from there. Uh, because I went at, at, after training for only three weeks, I signed up for my first competition and I joke with all of my training partners about it because I'm like, all right, what was the pool for this? How long did you guys think I was going to last? And you're kind of like, eh, they're like a month maybe. <laughs> and then it was like, eh, maybe we'll be here for two. And then, you know, here I am signing up for IBJJF for the Indianapolis competition. And they're like, okay, she's actually serious about this. So 
because I am, I mean, I'm jujitsu Barbie over here. So it's, it's kind of not, not, I'm, I'm very unassuming and I know that, but I was serious about it. And that was all I wanted to focus on at that point was, was training jujitsu. And so I did, I, I trained as, as often as I can. I think that I have written down somewhere how many hours I've done, which is absolutely ridiculous at this point. But uh, again, signed up for my first comp at three weeks. I did my first competition after training for only nine weeks and I got a silver medal. So, and that's when the bug really hit me. So then I signed up for my second competition, which would be in Charleston, South Carolina, which is where my life fell apart, as I like to say. And I went back there and I won a gold medal. So, and that was after I'd only trained for 11 weeks. So. Sounds like number one, you're a natural. And sounds like also like you came in expecting one thing and then you put in the work though. You're like, you know what? Yeah, it, it is, you know, still a self-defense class. But not in the way that you thought, like, you know, you see, uh, uh, what's the movie, uh, Enough with Jennifer Lopez. Mm -hmm. It's like, I always, every time I see, I, I've been seeing that movie poster a lot lately. And I get frustrated because I remember watching that movie and thinking, I don't think, you know, you go down to the YWCA, take a couple Krav Maga classes, and then you beat your boy or your husband to death in, in your your home. I don't think that's how that works. You're building a false sense of security there. Mm -hmm. But, you know, actually going and getting on the mats and training long term and then competing too. not, you know, you know, just hearing that, you know, you took to it like a fish to water it is really, really awesome. And, and just again, in, in my mind, think about that, just thinking where you came from. Yeah. And then where you are. Not many people know this, but when I started, because again, I don't, I don't really talk about it. I, I feel like when I talk about my illness, unless people are specifically interested asking me questions about it, I, I'm not looking for sympathy or anything like that. And, and that's kind of where you go with it. But when I started, yeah. I still had that cane in my car just in case I needed it. And I had a handicap placard just in case I needed it. And that's, that's something that is, is pretty wild to think about at this point because if I was capable of doing jujitsu, I really shouldn't have needed those things. But the problem with Lyme disease is that it kind of comes in waves too. And so you'll have really bad days or really bad weeks that even happen in between all of the good ones. And, and that's what people really don't see is that they see, I mean, most especially my social media presence, but it's they they don't see what's behind the scenes going on all that the days that I, I really struggle still um or the times on the mat where i literally collapse and that's only happened twice and the, i kind of shook it off and i was like uh, no nothing happened but my my friend kevin was like did you just fall over and i'm like nope no i didn't <laughs> but i sure did and it was because um, I still suffer from bradycardia, so my heart rate can just plummet while I'm working out or literally whenever. So, and my heart rate was dropping into 30s while I was rolling, and that's that doesn't out so great. So, um, but I try to hide that from people because I don't want people to see that I'm sick. 
And sometimes it's important to remind people that I'm sick because they forget, again, with the social media presence that I'm a human being and that I have like all of this other stuff going on in my life and that not everything is perfect. It's far from that. Uh, There's definitely a lot going on, definitely a lot I still struggle with, but jujitsu has helped me so much with that because not only does it increase your, you know, cardiovascular fitness, um, it has done something for my brain that I kind of wish I had known what it would become for me because I would have immediately gone to a neurologist and said, hey, you need to do a study on me because I'm about to start jujitsu and I have all of this brain fog. I, I can't, you know, I'll be like, move your right arm and I'll, my left leg will kick. Like, that's how bad it was. And I'm about to train jujitsu. And now here I am. And jujitsu takes over my brain and it becomes muscle memory that I did not have before. And I just really wish that I had done, had some sort of study done or something like that so that it could help other people. But again, I, I don't like to talk necessarily about how sick I still am with it because of, you know, all of the other things that come along with that. And I just, I just want people to see the, the strong person that I am. That's all, that's all we really ever want though. So even just hearing this is like, you know, you show that you're extremely strong, just fighting through, even, you know, again, you know, you, you were in some dark places and, and you, you know, came out of it. So that's awesome and just amazing to hear because, you know, it, it, it's that weird thing with, you know, even myself, you know, yesterday morning before class, I was like, I, and I do this every, every time I get ready for class, I'm like, oh, man, my legs hurt. I just did kettlebells. Uh, you know, this hurts or, ah, oh, man, you know. I'm, you know, I'm a little hungry. Oh, I just ate something that I probably shouldn't have eaten before training, you know, look for every excuse in the world to not go. I still go, but it's like, there's just things built up in my head for reasons not to go down. Just I'm looking for reasons. Whereas, you know, with, you know, with anyone that's really fighting something, it's like, you have every reason not to go, but you still fight through and you make it. And I think that's, you know, the powerful thing to that, where it's like, you know, it's easy for you just to say, eh, you know what? I can't. Yeah. You know, but I will. And and I, I think that's that's pretty awesome. I think that, um, that the post that you saw too, that's exactly what I said was that this is what happened and is happening. And despite that, I still am doing this. That's what I do every day when I get up, every single day. I, I get up and I say, you're training. It doesn't matter how your, how your body feels. Ignore that. That's all irrelevant because what's important to you is getting better. And what's helping you do that? Jiu-jitsu. So you're going to go train jujitsu. That's what you're going to do. I don't care if your knees hurt. I don't care if you strained your MCL. I don't care if you broke your finger, which are all things that are wrong right now, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you're not hurt, you're not doing jujitsu right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you, if you come out of your class, like if you've been training for X amount of time and it's like, you have nothing that's aching or feels weird. It was like, I don't know that you're really doing this right. And I think it sounds weird to say if you're not hurting somewhere or sore somewhere, you're not doing it right. But no, I mean, you're getting folded up like a pretzel 
a lot of times. So mm-hmm. it's not how the body works, but we make it work. So you're doing it right. I'm definitely grateful that I'm a flexible person. <laughs> I'll just say that. So, but I, I wake up in the morning and I'm like, is this my Lyme disease or is this jujitsu? I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> Go train. <laughs> yeah, like, you're, you're going out there. So that's, that's what it is. Uh, so when you first went out to compete, what was that experience like for you? Just like leading up to it, because, you know, you're still fairly new and you're just like, like what, like what was the thought going in? Were you like, um, you know, I want to test myself or I was like, Oh, what's this? Other people are doing it. Oh, you guys are competing. All right. Let, let's go see what's up with this. Well, here comes Erica again into this story because I'm like, should I be nervous? Because she had signed up for it. And she was like, no, just treat it like it's another role at a women's open mat. I'm like, okay. And so that's literally what I do every single time now. So that's, that's what I do every single time. So it's, to me, it's the ultimate test of you against you because that I don't have anybody at the gym um, that I go to that is a me. I don't, there are no white belt heavyweight master one females at my academy. Um, my friend Nicole is the closest to my size. All the other women are way smaller than I am. And there's not really an opportunity to, to test myself to see, okay, if I had to go against me, what would I do? Because I'm either training with you know, girls who are, you know, 140, 130 pounds, or I'm training with guys who weigh 200 pounds or 220 pounds, which that's fine because that makes me stronger every time I roll with them. But I really want to test myself against me. And that's what competing has done for me. So, you know, I went to Indianapolis and I won my first match. I lost my second one, Um, but I took home a silver medal and an insane amount of drive to do it again because it was the coolest experience I had had. I think probably in my life I can I can say that it, it really is. It, it was absolutely incredible, and it was so incredible for me that I have a hard time understanding why people don't compete because I, I understand like risk of injury things like that, but it's really like. If you go in with the mindset of like, especially at white belt, I mean, come on, like, especially at white belt, you, you go in with the mindset of it's just another practice role with somebody who's my size. You're, you're probably not going to get hurt. I mean, you're probably just going to be going against you like with the role. And as long as you're not, you know, silly about it and you tap if you need to, then you're what's what do you what do you do another than missing out on something you know so i really am an advocate for people competing especially for women competing because it is so hard i cannot tell you how many times i've wanted to compete and ended up not doing it because there was nobody in my bracket there there would have been nobody to fight against and to the point where I actually started to get a little nuts about it. And I'll, I'll like start reaching out and be like, Hey, do you got any, I'll call academies, like local academies for, for all, like all sorts of places, like all over the country, you know, here I am calling, I'm calling, you know, Austin. I'm like, Hey, 
do you, do you got any, anybody who can, who can move into my, you know, my bracket or something like that? I'm just, I'm looking to have a match. I've done it overseas too, because I've competed overseas. I competed in uh, London and Barcelona and in Dublin. So it's, I'm, I'm making sure that people show up, <laughs> you know, so that I have somebody to go against. I, I know that the guys don't have as big of a problem with that. You guys usually have full brackets, but as females, we're lucky to get one or two matches. So I think more people in general need to compete and more women, especially. Come out, girls. I'm calling you out. Where are my heavyweight 30 plus females at? Come on, let's go. <laughs> you know, I think, especially with white belt, it's like, you know, there's a saying, it's like, nobody's gotten worse by competing. So you went to Indianapolis and competed there. And then Charleston mm-hmm. was your next one. Okay. So you said you went to American Nationals. Yep. That was how, <laughs> How'd that go for you? How, how Like, going into that, how did you feel? Like, you know, coming off your previous competitions and now you're going into American Nationals. This, this is a big deal. Like, well, there was actually multiple competitions that happened before that one. So okay. for me, like, it didn't feel any different until I physically got into the Las Vegas Convention Center. And I was like, oh, my goodness gracious. There's a lot of people here. This is the most number of mats that I've seen. Like, it was mm. it was pretty overwhelming. Um, but I just, you know. I got into my zone. I did my thing. So, um, and I had a great competitor. Um, her name's Jessica. Hey, Jess. <laughs> Jess in the pinky. Because I found out after the fact that she also trains in the pinky. Of course, I show up in a pinky to train. Because I, you know, have blonde hair and eyelash extensions. Why wouldn't I? So, <laughs> That's, that's my thing. So, and apparently it was hers too, but she was a great competitor and um, we had a really, a really good match. And that was uh, the, the toughest match that I had had to date. Um, I've definitely had uh, a couple tougher matches since then. Um, but that was, that was a, a really, a really good one for me. And um, it was, it, it honestly, for me, nationals, it just didn't really feel any different. Everything feels like just another role with just another woman. It's just another open mat to me. I go into that um, every every single time. That's my mindset. And part of having that mindset, it's allowed me to actually, I don't get nerves when I compete. And I can confidently say that. The funniest part about competing for me, and again, my training partners will tell you all about this, but I do not like people watching me compete. That is what makes me nervous is the fact that there's people watching me compete and not specifically people in general, like people in I don't care. Like if there's strangers or there's a crowd, that's not what bothers me. But if it's people I know are there watching me compete, I get nervous about it. And it's hilarious because everybody is like, wait, what? You don't like being watched because of my social media stuff? I'm like, "Uh, yeah, I don't fucking like it. (laughs) (laughs) To the point where I would literally go, I would sneak away and compete. I snuck away to Dublin and Barcelona without telling my coaches (laughs) that I was doing those things so that I could do it alone. (laughs) So (laughs) I I think 
people like really underestimate what you know the whole ideal of social media you know because with social media we can present you know whatever we want just because you're putting it out there doesn't mean that you you know like want to be seen or want attention it's like look this is me sharing this amount with you you know take you know take it as it is that doesn't mean you know like like you said i think that's the thing for me with competing is knowing that my team's watching me because mm-hmm. it's like you know it's like yeah if it's strangers like i've gone to other gyms just visit and just open that no problem yeah. <laughs> had a great time but the second that you're there and your team's watching it's like oh shit yeah so and it's it's actually pretty funny because um this weekend is the chicago open and so this is going to be the first competition that i'm doing that literally everybody i know is going to be there so <laughs> um that should that should be kind of interesting i i was i told a couple of my training partners i was like look i wouldn't be mad if you were to make sure that nobody knew what time my match was <laughs> i would not be mad but they're going to show up anyway because I love them and they love me. So, but it'll be, I I've slowly been working my way into that with, with accepting the fact that yes, people are going to be watching me compete and um, I'm going to have people coaching me and I'm going to have friends around and I, I'm, I'm finally starting to get comfortable with it. I'll get back to you as to how that actually goes down this weekend, but it's, that remains to be seen. But uh, that's literally the only part of competing that gives me nerves is the thought that somebody I know is going to be watching me. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, I had definitely told some people that I was doing nationals. And that was, I think, the first time that I told anybody that I was, you know, I had snuck away to go compete. I told a few people about it. And, um, because of that, I was like, oh crap, people, it's on flow. Like they're all going to be watching me. (laughs) So, and like my parents are gonna be watching me. So, um, which they, they did. And that was quite hilarious because apparently, um, for that, for that match, like my mother expectedly was crying, just crying. Oh my God, T, T, there, this girl's punching you. She's punching you. She's getting hurt. No, mama, no, nobody's punching me. <laughs> like, so, and, and that wasn't even nearly as bad um, because I, the, I think it was the following weekend, maybe two weekends later that I did Austin. And uh, that was the toughest competitor that I have ever had um, was, was the girl I went against in Austin because I dropped down to the adult class in order to have um, a competitor. So, uh, that that was tough, but uh, I heard from my father that here's my mom now. Previously, you know, the week before, two weeks before, crying at the TV that I was getting injured. Here she is, fuck her up, T, fuck her up. <laughs> my mother, my 71 year old mother, who does not curse, is screaming, fuck her up. <laughs> so, yeah. but, it's uh, it's it's all part of it. I mean, you got to get used to people watching. You got to get pe- used to people being around. Um, you can only sneak around doing it for 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 so long. Um, I think, but you know, keep keeping it a secret is one thing. But 
you know, blatantly being like, hey, you guys, I'm going to this. Like, that is never going to be my jam. I am never going to be like, hey, everybody, come and watch. That's never going to be a thing for me. You might see me there, but I probably won't have told you that I went. So <laughs> I think that's, I, I think, that, you know, that's a common thing, you know, in our community. I think, I, I don't know. Because when I think about my teammates, you know, when they go to uh, any competition, you know, it's not really a matter of, you know, it's just the team. We're there. That's it. It's rare that, you know, maybe your spouse, significant other, something maybe. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, other than MMA fights, I think MMA fights is like, hey, come out, watch me, which I think is a, probably, I feel like would be more nerve wracking because you're getting punched, you're getting kicked. Yeah. It's like, they, they, yeah. there's like consequences there, like jujitsu. It's like, yeah, we'll just play fighting. It's all right. We're wrestling. Well, you know, we should be fine, but you know, in an MMA fight, someone's trying to shut you off with a punch or a kick. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, we're, no, we're, don't we're, think that's gonna be a thing. I don't think that's ever gonna be a thing for me. But hey, never say never, I guess, uh, or whatever. Yeah. So <laughs> true, true. I mean, like you said a year ago, you would have thought. Who would have thought? Yeah, I mean, I've I've had a couple of my coaches say, oh. Once you're, you know, once you're a blue ball, we'll get you doing a super fights. And I was like, what's a super fight? And they're like, oh, you know, there's like posters and then you, they sell tickets and shit. And I'm like, no, that, no, I don't, I don't ever see myself doing that just because of the attention thing, which again is the opposite of what people would think, but it's not, that's not my jam. (laughs) So I don't know if it ever will be. I'm an introvert, believe it or not. Nope. I don't like people watching me. So no, I don't think I'm going to sell tickets, but you never know. So, and that's your pressure. I might <laughs> never say never, you know, you, you, no. you might change your mind. I mean, I keep pressure pretty frequently, so I'm pretty sure that'll probably happen one day. So. <laughs> well, if, and when that day comes, I'm cheering you on and, and like posting the story. Hey, that's my friend. My <laughs> friend's competing. Like, she <laughs> said she wasn't going to do it. And now she's doing it. Oh, it'd have to be some high roller shit for me, probably. <laughs> so. it's, it's all it look that counts. That counts. Like that that goes in that pocket of like, well, never say never. Whoa, whoa wait a minute. We got something for you. This might work. Okay. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> so with all that, you know, I guess with your training, because you train, you know, as much as you can practically every day, right? Yeah, so I train uh, sometimes over twenty hours a week. So it's it's a lot. It's multiple times a day. Yeah, I'm I'm up with the six a.m.ers, and I'm there with the evening classers, and then everything in between that I can possibly fit in. So it's it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, and and usually seven days a week. So, like besides uh, jujitsu, do you do like any other fitness? Well, I guess. The, the pole fitness uh, is one thing, but like, do you do anything like um, any weights or <clears throat> any, any like yoga or things like that? Yeah. So um, I actually do aerial arts. Um, it's not just pole. So um, I've done Lyra, I've done silks, I do aerial sling oh, okay. and I do aerial yoga. Uh, I do regular yoga too. When I got to London and I was six pounds overweight uh, from water weight, I went to hot yoga wearing three different sweatsuits and 
but yeah, yeah. So yoga is definitely part of my life. Um, it has to be, um, I do a lot of, a lot of people look at how much I'm training and they're basically like, how are you physically doing this? And I know that it's a little bit different for me because I am self-employed and I have, I make my own schedule and I have the time to do it. So in between training, everything I'm doing is involved with recovery. I do a lot of physical therapy. Um, I see sports medicine practitioners. Um, I'm doing yoga. I'm stretching. I am ice bathing. I am literally doing all of the things because this is what I do full time. So I, you have to, you have to be able to recover. And I know people look at it and they're like, there's no way that you could be recovering from that. Well, I, I am, I mean, do I have minor injuries right now? Yeah. But I mean, they hope, hopefully knock on wood, you know, nothing major happens because they'll probably, you know, throw me completely off kilter, but it's, uh, yeah, I'm, do I'm doing the recovery stuff. I am doing yoga. Um, so for other fitness type activities, um, I did competitive figure skating when I was younger and I had actually picked that back up um, earlier in the year. I was, I was training to do that. Um, I also enjoy archery. Uh, I bow hunt. So I, I shoot a Hoyt. <laughs> so um, it's, I do, I do a lot of different things. Um, I've volunteered before for uh, uh, horseback riding, um, specifically uh, equestrian that, that focuses on uh, wounded vets um, because I have a lot of friends who are uh, either active duty or former military and um, they all hold a very special place in my heart because of what they do and what they've been through. So I try to do volunteer work for that. So I, I teach horseback riding, doing uh, two, two vets uh, for therapy purposes. Um, Let's see. I mean, my gosh, I do all sorts of things. I, li I like falconry. I know that that's like such a random thing, but I am a member of the Great Lakes uh, Falconers Association. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I attend their meetings and stuff. So it's it's all sorts of stuff. I'm I'm literally I'm not ADD. I'm ABCDFG. So <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> well, I mean, you're it's like you're active, you know, you're you're you've got something going on you know there's so many there's so many people that i don't want to say don't do enough because that sounds horrible but there's so many people that you know like I'll, I'll take my daughter for instance she's got all the toys in the world and she's like oh, i'm bored there's so many people that it's like there's so much available to do there's so many people claim to be bored or have nothing to do. And it's like, so hearing you have, you know, all these activities is like, hey, you, you know, you're taking advantage of, you know, your opportunities and, and you're getting out there. So that's that's fucking awesome, dude. It, and, and a lot of it comes from, obviously, you know, what I went through with the Lyme disease and what I'm still going through with it. It's it's it had become a coping for me because again all of the doctors not all of them but most of the doctors are telling me this is in your head and so it became a coping mechanism for me to be like okay well if I'm crazy and this is all just in my head then I just need to push harder I just need to push through it I just need to do more I need to work harder and all of that so 
whether or not at this point it's a healthy or unhealthy coping mechanism, I'm not quite sure, but <laughs> that it seems like it's become a healthy one because I have so much drive to make up for lost time. Um, you don't know, you really don't know that tomorrow exists for you. You don't know if the next hour exists for you. Um, and sometimes for, for people, it's, it's really hard to explain that to them because it literally took me almost dying to have my eyes opened up that wide to be like, no, I'm not waiting until tomorrow. No, I'm not going to hold off on doing this, that, or the other. Yeah, I'm going to go compete. Yeah, if I want to pick up a falcon and go hunting with it, I'm going to go do that. Yeah, if I want to, you know, eat that whatever the heck it is off of a tree. Like, I'm, I'm literally going to go do what I want when I want to do it. Because if you don't take advantage of those opportunities, you might not get a chance to do it. There are not many people out there who truly get a second chance at life. And I got that. I was blessed with that for some reason. And I, I'm here for some sort of reason. And I wholeheartedly believe that. And if that's to motivate people to let them know that it doesn't really matter what you have going on in your life. Obviously, life can quote, get in the way of things sometimes, but you should if you want to try something, go try it. If you want to to do something new, do it. If you want to learn something, pick it up. Get, just go for it. You have to go for it because I promise you don't, not everybody gets a second chance. I was two weeks away from not having a second chance. And I am going to absolutely for all of eternity until my last breath, going to continue with that mindset of if I want to do it, I'm going to go do it. It, it. There's literally nobody who's going to stop me. If so, if it seems like a Tracy's doing a bunch of crazy shit, it's because I am. And it's because I wanted to do it. Am I going skydiving? Absolutely. Absolutely. I used to be scared of heights. I'm not nearly as scared of heights anymore, but we're going to find out. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to go do these things. So, uh, because you don't always get it tomorrow. So. Well said. Um, Definitely can't can't argue with that, and because of that, now you've lit a fire under my ass. So. <laughs> Get out and do it. <laughs> now I'm like, oh shit! Now I gotta go talk to my coach. Now I gotta figure out when can I compete next. Ah, uh, fuck. See, those are but, all hangups, I mean, though. Those are all hangups. Don't let that stuff get you hung up. Don't get in your own head about it too much. Just be like, no, it, no. I want to go do a thing. I'm gonna go do it, and then go do it. <laughs> I believe um, you. <laughs> Well, thank you. Well, Tracy, this has been an amazing, amazing conversation. So thank you for doing this. Absolutely. I, 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 you, know, I, you know, we were talking beforehand and, you know, you're saying you're nervous. And I was like, well, I'm always nervous before I do these things. It's just, you know, 120, this will be one, episode 120. And I'm, I'm always just nervous myself personally. But, you know, from my angle of it, talking with you, you made it very, very, um, very relaxing. I'm, I'm the host. I'm supposed to make, make you relax, but <laughs> you made me actually feel very like, just like cool and collected and, and just like, oh, there's nothing to be nervous about. And I was telling you like, now nah, about 10 minutes and you'll be fine. Like you won't be nervous at all. So, um, but th thank you for, you know, 
sharing your time with me and sharing your story. Uh, definitely would love to have you back on if, if you know you have time in your busy, crazy schedule to do 100%, so. 100%. 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, for awesome. sure. Awesome. You talk about some of the crazy shit I've done since then. So. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it'll stack up um, Very quickly. And, and, I'm, and I'm here for it. So I definitely want to know before we get out of here, do you have any shout outs or mentions that you'd like to throw out? Yeah. Um, so I definitely have a main one and that's going to go out to Mark Turner, who's the owner of BJJ lab in Naperville, where I mainly train. Um, he's an incredible person and obviously the reason that jujitsu was brought into my life and um, I'll forever be thankful for that. Uh, he does a lot of work outside of just jujitsu. Um, and I definitely wanted to, to give a little plug here for it. But he is in the process right now of raising money for his fifth trip over to help people in the Ukraine. And uh, he has a nonprofit organization, or it's, it's pending their nonprofit status, but they're working towards that um, called the Overwatch Foundation. You guys can find it at overwatchfoundationusa.org. And they're trying to raise money to uh, put together medical supplies um, and help train uh, some of these people over in Ukraine uh, for uh, everything that they're dealing with right now. So that's, that's one of his main focuses. So I really feel like I need to, you know, put that out there for, for everybody. Please go visit the website. Please check out what they're doing. Um, share it if you can and uh, donate if you can. If you can't, you know, that's cool. Just just share, get the word out there because uh, what they're doing is very important work. So Absolutely. And I'll be sure to put that in the show notes and also um, tag on um, Instagram as well. Where I do most of my promoting. Um, <laughs> So, and as usual with everyone out there, thank you for listening and thank you for all the support over the last couple of years. Like I've said, the last couple of episodes, this is two years y'all and I'm excited. So thank you for everyone that's been supporting the podcast and listening. I love you guys. Um, if y'all have any questions, concerns, feel free to reach out to me. You can find me at bjj.wiki on Instagram or off the mats podcast on Instagram as well. I'm all over Instagram. So you like horror, Colompton Beer Club, whatever. I I got too many Instagram accounts. So go find me on all of them. Um, I love to do a big shout out here to our good friends over there at Asgard 503. Good friend Mike, which is I guess last week. And you know, just talking with that dude was a treat. So I always feel like I, I have to shout this guy out. He's a hard worker. Um, and just such a good dude. Go check out his social media. Go check out the website, askar503.com. Uh, grab yourself a gi, grab yourself a rash, guard some shorts. He's got you covered. Um, also, big shout out to my friends over there at NerdRage Radio, Bobby, Joe, and Chris. I love that. Bobby, Chris, and Joe. I don't want to make it sound like his name is Bobby Joe. There are three separate people. Bobby, Joe, and Chris. All three Three people. I want that to sound like Bobby Joe is one person. But go check those guys out. Nerd Rage Radio. Uh, that's where I got my start with podcasting. So I owe a lot to those gentlemen over there. Um, go check them out on Instagram, Nerd Rage Radio IG. Or go just listen to the podcast. It's everywhere you can find podcasts, including this one. Um, and the last shout out is to my other podcast, So You Like Horror. 
go check it out. We talk about horror movies. We talk about scary stuff. If that's what you're into, go listen. We're not professionals, but we like to have a lot of fun. So um, go check it out. Otherwise, as always, thank you so much, everyone. I love you all to death. You guys keep listening. I'm going to keep making the show. So thank you, everyone, again. And They probably said. Now let me see his song.